and all of us came from somewhere and all of us have experienced stuff in our lives that maybe you don't want to say out loud and today we're going to speak about that. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Just to recap our messages for the year so far, we have the main message, the series that we have on fruit. Am I messing with your system? I'm so fair for your love, yes. I'm going to get the honor from store. Um, the first one was be fruitful and multiply the second week we spoke about positioned to produce there's a bit of feedback if I go closer and then so don't go closer (laughs) Harvey did no fear for the year Um, and then Heinz did what you will sow will show the recipe for joy the fruit of unity um, and then we had the holy, holy fruit, which was all about getting into the slipstream of the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we started with a little sub-series sub called Family Tree, and we spoke about marriage um, a little bit. I mean, we can speak about marriage probably forever, because there's so much to say about marriage. And today, I am continuing the message and the theme for this for this week is bind up the bruised. Last week when Heinz was speaking about knowing who you are and knowing your identity, he said that you, we each have, obviously we have a calling and we have a message. Each of us have a message that we are passionate about. It's that one thing. You you, you see it in in, uh, big, not even big, in churches as well. You hear that the, the many church leaders have a certain message that they keep on speaking about. Some focus on healing, some focus on prosperity, some focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's something in you, in you all, that makes you excited that you want to share, if, whether it is serving the poor or helping the poor or whether it is helping the old, whatever it is, you've got a message inside of you that you're, the moment you speak about it, your eyes twinkle and you get like, Sua, this is my message. Um, binding up the bruised. And we're going to read Isaiah 61, that is the verse for the, or the, the scripture sermon, scripture. It is Isaiah 61 verse 1 that says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now Jesus quoted the scrolls in the temple from Isaiah. Literally one day, he went in, opened the scrolls, read this, and it was like, drop the scrolls, my drop the mic, because here I am. This is me. 
I came to bind up the brokenhearted, etc. So last week, I just want to go out of this one now and go into that one. Last week, I said to you at one stage, when you do marriage God's way, and what is God's way? God's way is according to the word of God. This is the manual. Emmanuel is quite funny. Emmanuel. Toy is rarak snorks. Okay? This is the only moral compass that the world should live by. And if the whole world would have lived by this, we would have lived in a different place. But unfortunately, the enemy is trying to just work it out, work it out, disqualify the Bible, even to Christians, which is just, it's unfathomable. So I and my family and my husband believe that every single word in this Bible is true. Every single word is true. If we take something away, if we put something in, according to the Bible. You are not allowed to do it. So we can't just say, because we live in the 2024, this is not applicable. Guys, come on. That was old times. It was whatever. It's not the truth. It is still applicable today. The word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's amazing. If you spend time with God and you read in his word how every verse, I mean, we've said it so often and you've heard it so often that you can read the same scripture every day and every day God breaks open something else. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow. There is, it's just amazing. So something that was applicable to the Israelites is very currently applicable to where you are in your life right now. That is how God works. That is the mystery of our God. So, once again, if we do life according to the Bible, if we live according to the Bible, you are gonna experience so much freedom, you are gonna have a different life, and it's not gonna be an easy life because the Bible tells you that in this world you will have trouble. You can't escape it, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So he has already overcome, but knowing that, that sets us apart, knowing that we serve the one who has already won, the one we have already overcome. So individual lives, according to the Bible, will be blessed. Married lives, according to the Bible, will be blessed. Raising children, according to the Bible, will be much easier, supposedly, than they're not. And today, my message is about, it's actually about, about children and about the importance of knowing a bunch of things that I'm going to share with you today when raising children. But it is applicable to all of us in the house, whether you have children or not, because all of us are children. And all of us were children. And all of us came from somewhere. And all of us have experienced stuff in our lives that maybe you don't want to say out loud. And today we're going to speak about that. So, in Jeremiah 1 verse 4 to 5, it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, 
I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay? Psalm 139 verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. So it is very clear, according to those two scriptures, that you are not new to God. If I, I, Alete, was born on 12 February 1980, nine months prior to 12 February 1980, it wasn't as if, oh, um, let's create Alete. I was well known in the heavenlies by then because I was a spirit, like all of you. Something that we need to establish from the word go is we are a spirit who live in a body, who has a soul. The world thinks this body is everything. I get the verrassing for you. Because how sad it is when this body dies, then what then? What happens then? We are spirit beings. And sometimes we try to run away from, it sounds spooky, that's just near. But we watch all these spiritual movies. Even the world is very familiar with the spiritual realm. Because brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, the spiritual realm is way more real than my son sitting in front of me right now. It is way more real. Although you cannot see it, I mean, we read it once again in the Bible that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is about the, it's, it's, a, it's against the principalities of, and the forces of darkness. It is, it is very real. And I want to trust God that you will see in the spirit today and not in the flesh. And to see what happens in the spirit has an incredible effect on what's happening in the flesh. So we are spirit. We were spirit. I have this picture that I always share with my classes and groups. And it's my theory. It's not biblical at all. It's my theory. Have you watched Boss Baby? If you have kids, you should have watched Boss Baby. Boss Baby has this heavenly factory where they make babies and then they go down with a slide. Like there's an order for a baby and they slide down and they get sent to a family. And I literally have, when I saw that movie, it was as if my, my thoughts in the movie came together where it's like, I really feel that God has this, he, he has the spirit. So cinema, my name was not Aleta yet in heaven, but cinema, spirit number <laughs> seven C, whatever. 22 is my favorite number. Well done, 22. Okay, I want you to look like this, this, and this. I want you to be like this, this, and this. I want you to have this personality. I want you to have these gifts. I want you to love this. I want you to not like that so much. Okay, so let's see which parents do I put together to create that. And then somewhere on earth, I like you. And things happening. That is my theory. And then it's like, okay, you, go. There you are, born in that family. That is where I want you to be birthed. 
So something that we need to establish today, because we live in a broken world, a very broken world with many broken people, and many lies are believed about our existence, it is important that you know today, it doesn't matter how you got into this world, how your conception took place, whether it was in love or not. Because God had a plan with that in any case. He has a plan with you. So none of us sitting here or listening online was a mistake, not one. You, you weren't an afterthought. You weren't even a like you would have heard your whole life, an oopsie, a chlipsie, a whatever, because those are the things that we speak over our children and you think it has no effect on them and I'm going to speak about that later. God knew that you were going to be born on that specific day, at that hour, in whichever way. He knew it before time began. That is the God he has. And I always think that if you are born or live, like all of us do, in this current day and age, <laughs> there's a very specific calling on your life. Because I am of the opinion that we're going to take this papa home. We are in the generation who's going to see Jesus on the clouds. So I'm like, I'm thankful that we get, you are the chosen ones. We, I mean, we could have lived in any other age and it would have been, exciting or so, but he chose you to live right here for such a time as this. So he trusts you with this generation and that's a big responsibility. It's a massive responsibility, but it's also so exciting because when I'm weaky strong and then I'm like, Lord, if you thought I can live here now, then you're gonna give me the power and the tools and the weapons to be able to face this generation right now. But we can't be not knowing who we are. We can't be wondering what our purpose is. We can't be thinking, oh, I was not so oopsie or clipsie or whatever. You can't, we have to have a solid identity in God knowing, okay, he trusted me for such a time as this, I will not let him down. I should have set my iPad on the stay open for longer screen, but I didn't. Ephesians 4 says, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5 says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Something that Heinz is very passionate about, and I think you must have heard him speak about adoption and how we are all adopted into God's family and that Jesus was actually the first one to be adopted when Joseph adopted him as his son because that's the only way that he could literally in the Bible say that he's from the lineage of David, etc., because of adoption. And we heard the most profound thing the other day. I literally, my mouth was on the floor. Did you know? that according to law, when you adopt a child, you are not able to disown that child. You are able to disown your own children. You are not legally able to disown an adoptive child. Like, drop the mic. I get 100 flies in my life. 
So we have been adopted in God's family. And no matter how mad we make him, no matter what we do, if we curse him, he's like, if you're adopted in my family, I will not disown you. I will hang on to you. I will cling to you. I will stay with you. You are mine. You are mine. You are mine. And may this give us hope in this day that we might turn away. And some of us has. Some of us has not even yet come into the kingdom. But you know that once you're in, once you're adopted, once you're crafted in that vine, you will not go anywhere. He will not go anywhere. Okay. Now, I am of the theory, once again, that God designed you with all your gifts and talents, with your hair color, your, your, and, and what is so interesting some of you might know who've been to my classes that Josh will know because Josh is a trained image consultant after recording all my videos. Um, the same genes that make up your hair color, eye color, and skin color are the genes that make up your personality. Wow. I can take a clue. Wow moments. Wow. Remember, I sound effects up now and I'm with this way of recording. So many people who have the same kind of coloring, say for example, um, reddish hair, freckles, brown eyes, many of those kind of looking people have similar personalities. So God literally planned you like fine. And he says, okay, you are gonna look like this you're going to have this kind of personality and it's going to suit your coloring. It's going to work. It just works. Etc. Etc. But now life happens. And things are done to us and things are spoken over us. And we do stuff. And then I also read this book about the birth order book. Like where you are born in the family has an effect on your personality. We know this, whether you are the oldest or the middle child or the baby. It has an effect on your personality. It does. So I'm of the theory that eldest children are so blessed because they had the, their parents for themselves for a while. But it's just that is why eldest children are like the way they are. I quit now, they are but that is why they are the way they are, okay? Anyway, then you have the second child, who is then at that stage, the baby, which is awesome because now we have an eldest one who got all the attention and you've got the second one who's now the baby because the baby gets a lot of attention as well because it's the baby. And then you have another baby and then the middle one kind of gets lost. And that's why they have the middle, middle child syndrome. That is, that is literally what I believe. And if you then have another baby, because if you were the baby and you're not the baby anymore, there's a lie that comes in. Full stop. I'm not worth my parents' time anymore. I'm not worth their attention anymore. It's just the way it is. But I'm going to speak through that. And then you have... Obviously, somewhere along the way, you're going to have your baby, which is your, your final one, which, can, which is going to be the baby. So all these things shape us into who we are today. So you sitting here is literally the sum total of 
what has happened to you through your life, what has been spoken over you through your life, whether you have been bullied, hurt, abused, whatever the case may be, that is who you are. You are the sum total. Like I said yes, last week, you, going into your marriage, you go in with the sum total of the knowledge you have of a marriage from your parents' marriage, if you even had that example to look at. Otherwise, you go into marriage. If you, for example, grew up in an orphanage and you have to get married, you have nothing to, to what's the word? Reference. You've got nothing to reference. So, what we have to understand is that God has a purpose and a plan and a calling for all of us and for all our children. And we have to be aware and alert <laughs> that the enemy knows of those plans. And he is going to try and take you out if it's not before birth, it might be during birth, it might be right after birth when you land in an incubator, it might be in a toddler phase, a primary school phase, if he didn't get you then, he'll get you there and he'll get you in the next round. He's gonna try to take you out because he knows the plans that God has for you. And the plans is in the end to enlarge the kingdom, to win more people. That is our callings, is to save people, to get them to Jesus. And if he can shut you up in the womb, He'll do that. So, last year in August, um, it was most women's month, so I was speaking at a conference in um, Boxburg. And right before me in this conference, Simonai Nordman was speaking. She's a famous actress in South Africa, she's beautiful. She was heavily pregnant at that stage. And she told, um, she shared her testimony with us, which is incredibly profound, like you hang on her lips, it's, it's amazing. And she tells a story where her mom was in the Air Force when she fell pregnant with her out of wedlock. And in those days, it was totally, totally, you're out. The moment they find out you're pregnant, you're out. There's no, there's no grace, there's no women's rights, there's no, yeah. And she was passionately in love with her job. She wanted to climb the ranks of the Air Force and she wanted to do this. And she said, I will not have this baby. I will not. So she tried everything in her power to get rid of Simone. Okay? Like three times she, she tried to go for abortions. The first time she, she got to the doctor, the doctor just, I mean, he had no reason. He said to her, what is your name? Where do you work? Da, da, da. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. And she's like, I'm hello, I'm the patient. You must kind of do what I say. And she's like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. The, the, the doors just closed in front of her. Then she went to Botswana. She had an appointment for the Monday morning because Botswana was still legal and in South Africa it wasn't legal. Okay? She drove the whole weekend to get to the abortion clinic in Botswana on the Monday. When she got there, there was a notice on the door that says, over the weekend, the legislation changed. They're not allowed to do abortions. Yeah, ne? So she drives back and she's like, okay, but she is not keeping this baby and she's hiding her pregnancy, which in itself is damaged to the baby. So 
she got back to South Africa and decided, okay, she'll give the baby up for adoption. So she goes to the adoption agency and where it is apparently supposed to be very clinical and the, you must, the mom was just like, this, this, this is the paper, sign here, go. The woman of the adoption agency looked at her and said, you know what, you're actually going to be such a great mother. She's not allowed to say that. She's not allowed to emotionally manipulate her at all. And in that moment, there was the seed. Like, and she said, okay, well, I have till next week to sign it, so I'll just come back and sign it. And she didn't sign it, although that was her intention, to give the baby up for adoption. And then the next week, they found out about her pregnancy when she was eight months pregnant only at the Air Force, and they were furious. And they were so upset that she, her body went into shock and she went into labor. And she was rushed to the hospital. And her doctor, who knew that her baby was up for adoption, was not on call. And what did the doctor do with that baby after she was born? And when that mother held that baby, she said it was the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. And she fell in love and she said, I will not do anything to you. And she kept her. So Simonai says, I heard all of this when I was 16. And suddenly I understand why, or I understood why I struggled so much with the spirit of rejection. Because we are spirit. We are spirit. And if we, if we live right, we live in unity with the Holy Spirit. But there are many other spirits trying to get your attention and trying to get a foot in the door and trying to sway you off the path. And rejection is one of the first ones in the womb. The first ones. So Simone said, she heard this and she said, okay, now I know why I struggled with rejection so much. She says, every time as a teenager when I would go for an audition, I would literally rock up and then I would just know, I don't even know why I'm rocking up because I know I'm not going to get the job. I'm not, I'm like, you go with that predisposition. You're like, I guess I'll claw up your afterfoot. Because it's like, when you have that spirit, it's like a little red siren on your, on your head that goes, rejection, I'm rejected, rejected. And rejection looks for rejection. So many husbands and wives who both struggle with rejection, this is Heinz said, kradai parasite, fast because you think you're going to get what you need from that partner, and it's not what you need. You need Jesus. You need Jesus to set you free. So she tells a testimony and how God set her free and how just, it's, I mean, it's an amazing story. When I walk up the stage, it wasn't part of the plan, but God ordained it that way. I said, my parents didn't try to abort me. They didn't even ever say they didn't want me. But my parents planned and budgeted for two children. And then there came a third one. And then there came a fourth one. And when my mom found out she was pregnant with me, she burst out crying, which is a very natural emotion to experience as a woman, finding out you're pregnant and it wasn't now the timing or planned or, or budgeted upon, okay? Very, um, very normal. But in that, I, in the womb, as a little fetus, experienced rejection. So, if I can say it this way, there are no levels to the spirit. Whether you try to abort her and try to kill her and give her up for adoption or whether you just 
had an emotional, ne a negative emotion towards the pregnancy, the door was open and the enemy came in. So I was born with the spirit of rejection. And many of us today struggle with rejection and it wasn't even your own doing. You had nothing to do with it. You just appeared. It wasn't your choice. And now, suddenly, I really trust the Holy Spirit to speak to all of you and meet you where you're at and remind you of instances as I speak today about stuff that has happened in your life and, and things that you've heard and you're thinking, oh my word. Because what it is, is it's an open door. And the moment the door is open and the enemy comes in and you agree with it. I mean, as a fetus, I didn't have a choice. Didn't have a choice. But I agreed with that. I agreed with the spirit of rejection. And it's a lie that comes in that says I'm not supposed to be here. So I literally came out as a little girl and my parents are my witnesses because they are sitting right there. And I was literally the perfect child. Like, with my see, galore. I am very confident, very confident that none of my children struggle with rejection. Because I was super neat, I was super organized, I was just, I just wanted to please them. Guys, they never said they didn't want me. But the lie came in and I went into performance mode as a young girl. I just wanted to keep them happy. Whatever they said and I must do, I did. Not even before they asked it, it was done. I was a neat freak. My bed was made like in the army. My kasiki was so because I know that was what pleased my mother. I knew she wanted a neat house, so I was gonna please her. In my subconscious, I probably said to myself, I know they really didn't want me, but I'm gonna make it so lucky for them that they think, oh, oh we didn't really want you, but yes, I look okay, you can stay, okay. That is the lie that I believed. In the meantime, the three other siblings, we had the eldest one who was the only child for four years and then they came a sister, took his attention away. So he's struggling in his own, with his own issues. Then the sister was only like 17 months old and then there was a brother. So she didn't have time to even enjoy her babyness and her attention from her mom. So when the baby brother come, came, she didn't stop screaming because she's like, this is no my type. And he's like, that is no my type. Van Ag is a klein baba. And all of us sit with our own issues and we have two freaking ridiculous, amazing parents, according to the book. And yet, here we are. Do you see how easy it is from before birth that the enemy will come in and take you out. Just say, you're not supposed to be here. You don't belong to this family. It's so funny because my mom's brother was here last weekend for an event. My mom is the eldest and then she's got five brothers. And they were missionaries. Her, her parents were missionaries. So they were really poor. The middle, the middle brother, all the, all the brothers are these athletes, like freaking machines, built like machines. And, and the middle one is this podgy one. And he's this artist and musician and comedian. <laughs> he tells his mom, he's very convinced that he was switched in hospital because he doesn't fit in. And he, her mom said, you were the only one that was born at home. 
So I know at least you are my child. <laughs> it is so easy for a lie to come in with your children and with you. Now, we have since learned that we all have different love languages. And once again, you can have the perfect parents who still love each other, who are together, which, which in itself is the outsondering on the real. Somebody help me. Exception on the rule. Because mostly, mostly what happens today and mostly what happened to you even, we come from a generation of broken people, broken families. Okay? So now I come from a family that's actually supposed to be kind of sorted out. They've served the Lord. I grew up under the pews in the church. I'm supposed to be kind of like near this maklakhan. But no, near. He's going to take you out. How much more when you come from a family where there has been divorce, where you grew up between two parents, where there was um, division and where there was hatred and where parents spoke about each other and you heard it all and you're in between and you're like, what am I even doing here? Why am I even here? Why did you even make me if you feel about each other the way you do? And you sit with the guilt. And I'm here to tell you that God has a plan with you because he wants to redeem you there where you are at right now. And he wants to say, your purpose on this life. You, you know what? I believe. I actually do believe this. I believe that the more, the, the greater your, your tests and your heartache and your pain and your difficulty growing up, the greater is the calling on your life. So if you sit here and you come from a home like that versus my perfect little home, your calling is even greater than mine. I exceed it now for you. And you have to realize it. But you think you're standing on the stage, the Senex. We all have a purpose and a calling. John Bevere says it so beautifully. He says, it's so easy to look at the body because we're all part of the body and we all fulfill a purpose. It's so easy to look at somebody and look at a certain organ or a certain body part that is visible that you can see is beautiful, like legs. That person has got beautiful legs. You know? That person has got beautiful eyes. Oh, she's got great hands, whatever. You see those visible things and you say it's beautiful. Have you ever heard somebody say, that person really has an, a, a magnificent lover? <laughs> Her kidneys are astonishing. Her heart, have you seen her heart? It pumps like You don't see those organs, but they are the most vital organs. You can live without your legs. You can even live without your eyes. Can you live without your kidneys or your liver or your heart? Not so much. So just because there is a gifting or a calling that is visible and that is perhaps in the limelight or on the stage does not make that calling more important than your one that might be a vital organ. That is our club for Yelavad. My parents grew up in the church. I told you last week I got saved when I was 10 and I realized looking at the two people on stage, I'm not going to get into heaven because of them. I'm going to have to make this choice by myself. And I ran to the front and I couldn't stop crying and I knew God did something in my heart that day. Even though they grew up in the church and even though they were doing 
Sunday service, midweek service, flipping prayer evening. It was elke aand by die kerk. Ne? We still struggled in the sense that they were still broken people who still had issues because of how they were raised. And they, their parents had stuff because of how they were raised. So, guys, let's just be honest. We, we are all, we all have issues, okay? We all have issues, just to put it out there. We all are, are, are a little bit messed up because of our parents, although they could have been amazing. Our parents made a lot of mistakes. We make, we make a lot of mistakes as parents. Let's just start there. Our, our parents, even more so, and the reason I'm saying this, is because they had a lack of resources and a lack of knowledge. Nobody told them how to raise children. You just heard what your mom did, or you saw what she did, and, you, and even if you agreed with that or not, that was automatically what happened. And what happened so often those days is you made an inner vow that I will never be like my mother. I will never yell at my kids like this. I will never do this. And in that, you partner with that line. You become exactly that. I will never be an alcoholic like my dad. I will never marry a husband like my father. And in the end, the, just, it just happens again because you partner with that statement in that moment. So our parents didn't know. I remember as a growing up, as a, as a, a young child, hearing how you don't kiss your boys. Guys, it's a human being. So there's a generation of men who were never kissed and loved and touched by their parents, especially their dads. And oh my word, how do you need the affection of your father? A generation of men who didn't get that and they sit with this gap today, like they feel unloved. And they feel like, and it was just a lack of knowledge. It wasn't the truth. The truth is a boy needs just as much love as a girl. Just as much touch, just as much hugs, just as much kisses. And the lie, ooh, cowboys don't cry. How many times were you shut up as a boy, cowboys don't cry? And, and you make an inner vow, I will never cry. And sometimes when you're grown up, you're broken, you just want to shatter, but you've got this hard heart, I will not cry, because my dad said, I must not cry. And God is just saying, I'm standing with arms wide open, like the prodigal son to welcome you home. Just break down and cry and wash out. It is this literal proof that tears is good for you. Tears are good for you. It washes you clean. It cleanses you. It soothes you. It heals you just to let it out. So we had parents who didn't know. You all know the story about the woman who cut off the turkey. Now, in these days and ages, she put in the turkey or the lamb's boat, the lamb, roast of lamb in the oven, cut half of it off, put it in the oven. And her husband said to her, why do you cut off half the lamb? She's like, I don't know. My mom did it. Phone the mom. Mom, why did you cut off half the lamb before you put it in the oven? I don't know. Grandma did it. Phone grandma. Grandma, why did you cut off half the lamb? My oven was too small. <laughs> so we have three generations of just doing what they've seen, not knowing why they're doing it, not knowing why we say what we say to our children, 
breaking them in the process. But I saw my father do it. I saw that one do it. I saw that one do it. I think I, Heinz, Heinz, said, yeah, Heinz said it last week. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot expect your parents to have been the most amazing parents if they weren't filled with the amazing Holy Spirit and had the incredible knowledge that we have today. Today, we live in a generation where we have resources and books on every kind of flipping raising children that you can get. Raising boys, raising girls, raising this, da, da, da. how to speak to this one, how to, da, da, da. you can meet everyone where you're, you're there at. It was actually too much, too many to choose from. You must go with the Holy Spirit, because now there's a pill for every child. Oh Lord, let me not go there. You've got a little bit of energy. Ooh, Ritalin for you, Papi, yeah, that was fout. We, we, we don't think of the long-term consequences of what's happening and what we are saying and doing with our children. Ooh. We are a spirit. And just to confirm it, to confirm that these things that we allow in our lives are spirit, we know that the, the, the scripture says in Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. I remember a few years ago, probably six, seven years ago, there was this, um, there was this wave of fear in South Africa because of farm murders and stuff. You remember when that happened? And I just, so I had, I literally had farmers' wives sending me inbox messages and say, please pray for us because we are literally fearful. And I, I made a video and I said, it's a spirit which you should take out because God did not give us a spirit. So you just step out of agreement with that spirit because it's very easy to allow it in. And I'm going to tell you how I did it once. So... I spoke about the fact that fear is a spirit, and in one of the comments, <laughs> there was this woman who said, Jelle Afrikaners is so dom soos grond. Gees, afrees, gees. Oh my word, nou het ek als gehoor. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for your absolute... Die word. Ignorance. I remember once, um, any of you know my mom? And whose number is on my mom's phone? Will know. That she's tot for a stikkie ietsie aanstuur. Okay? I remember visiting my parents when they were still living in Parijs in the Vrijstaat. I was, um, I just had Simeon. He was a newborn baby. Literally like three weeks old. Heinz and Leon was in Cape Town for a Lolo's shoot. And I sat there and my mom, my mom is, <laughs> she's got that personality that gets swept up with a lot of news. So it was like, the Galge is in America al gemaakt. They are about to cut people's heads off for the gospel. It's, stuff is happening. This is real. It's got real now. It's got real. And I remember in that moment sitting with this newborn baby and I allowed the spirit of fear to come in. I, I literally opened the door because I was fearful. And I drove home and I was fearful. And from that day on, every morning, when, whenever I would go walk with my baby and then somebody will take Leon to school, 
the iron sword. And then I would like wanna phone and say, did you make it to school? Did you get there? Are you, uh, is it making the go? And I just realized this is not a way I wanna live. This is not. And the next time we had a connect group, the importance of connect groups, I'm like, guys, I'm struggling with fear. I'm not used to this. And they prayed for me and that thing was gone and I was like free. It is as easy as that. If you struggle with any form of fear, it is not from God. You say, I see you spirit of fear. I step out of agreement. I send you to the feet of Jesus. I come in the opposite spirit, whatever the opposite spirit is, hope. Okay, spirit of jealousy is mentioned in Numbers 5. And the spirit of jealousy came upon him and he was and he be jealous for his wife and she be defiled whatever just to say it literally the words are there we have heard if you heard Greta speak about the orphan spirit the vagabond spirit I heard I um, Heinz and I was speaking about somebody who's constantly moving constantly just he's here for once and then he moves to this to this and I didn't even know this existed in my in my spirit I just heard the words vagabond spirit That's what it is. It's a wandering spirit. Can't settle down. It started with Cain and Abel. And with that spirit goes a spirit of poverty. There are things happening in the spirit that we can so easily put our heads like a full stress, like an ostrich in the ground. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. I'm just going to happy go lucky. But unfortunately, this is real stuff that we need to know so that we can identify it so that we can step out of agreement with it and say, this is not welcome in my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and the Lord only. So somewhere we open the door. Guys, have you ever experienced this? We, have, we, we knew, we know, we knew this incredible couple Beautiful, like both husband and wife, beautiful people, had beautiful children, just like they had it all. They literally had it all. Heinz, they were parents at our children's school. Heinz, um, had lit, one day they were standing next to the field. They were those parents. They were at every game, although they were professional people, they were committed to their children. He, he literally once said to them, you are such an inspiration as a married couple. Well done. He honored them. Come lockdown, I reach out to the woman and ask her how she's doing and she tells me, no, not well. I'm like, what's happening? Her husband left her for her best friend who's their next door neighbor who has the same name as her. And he, he left, he left. He, had, he walked out of the house with a child clinging to his leg, screaming, daddy, please don't go, please don't go. And he left. What is that? That is a spirit. It's not somebody in his right mind thinking clearly. Anybody can go and sit with that person and say, can you see what you're doing? Can you see how you're breaking your children and your wife? Can you see it? He is deceived. He is just fair. In fact, him and the new, they are now married, wife, would say they've never felt closer to God. So deceived. It's a spirit that blinds you for the truth. And it is so easy for us, all of us, for spiritual leaders, for us on a stage, to just open a door. It comes in with offense. So easy. We read a book about offense. The next moment, the whole world takes offense. This just flip the flip. 
Do you not see it? They do not see it because they are blinded by deception. They are like, you're wrong, this is right, da 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 Spirit of religion. Controlling spirit, trying to, if you don't do it my way, I'm out. You have to be able to identify it so that you can say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to fall for this. And we have done this, and we have many empty seats in our church. Because we said, uh-uh, we're not going to allow this in our church. No, 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 this, this one doesn't have a place in our church. We're not going to do this, because the responsibility as the leaders of the church, we're going to stand in front of God. What did I allow in our church? What did Heinz allow in our church? So the moment you identify it, you're like, there has to be repentance, because that is the way. That is the way you get out of it. Lord, I'm sorry. I allowed this thing in my life. I am sorry. I repent. I need you. I need more of you, Holy Spirit. Please come in. Please come in. All of that out. Send it to the feet of Jesus and replace it with the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name. That is how we get there, by repentance. But we, because of a fear of the, a lack of the fear of the Lord, we have a lack of humility to repent. Just nobody wants to repent anymore. Okay, I can get away with this. Where every revival in the world started with repentance. Every revival where God has poured himself out and his spirit moved and healed and saved and delivered people. It started with humble people. Humble people. Humble people who said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then God says, I can work with you. How many times through the Bible did that happen? God had these people. We had David. We had all these heroes. Who mocked the droog? Who made dry? <laughs> but then they came. That's why David was a man after God's heart murdered, adultery, you name it, he did it all. But he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, who am I that you can even look at me? And, the, and God says, I can work with you. I can work with you. I can work with you. Are you willing to repent and say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry for allowing the voices of my parents, for allowing the things that were spoken over us. Guys, you know how it is. You know how it is if you post something on social media and you get five positive comments and you get one negative one. Which one is the one you remember? Which one is the one that stays in your heart that you fark in your heart, I begin to so broy. Ach, what weet jy man, my machtig. You start building yourself up here on the inside. Ek praat nie vir myself, ek praat van jylle. Ek is uitgesorteer. I'm so joking. Everybody would say, imagine, I don't know if I have pink makeup. That is how we are made as humans. You hear the positive affirmations. Can you, as a parent, please agree with me, with your children? You can, I love you, acknowledge, praise, as many times as you can. Then there's one moment now is the yellow world the einde. Then shall Allah say, Ek is die slechtste kind, oi, you never love me, you never, you never, you never. And I'm like, 
<laughs> there was one. There was one time that they said one time at band camp, and now the, everything is out the window. But that is how the enemy works. It's an, it's that one time where there's an open door. It's that literally that one time. I remember. I remember so vividly when we still were in the previous church. We had um, they asked us to lead a connect group. And we, um, we hosted the Connect Group for the first time that evening at our house. And we thought, okay, let's invite all the people with all their children, which is not a great idea. And then we were sitting in the bride room and the kids were breaking down the house. Lots of boys. It felt like everybody had boys. I don't know how was a generation of teens. Yes, that was... So here I have a knock on the broy room where we are sitting door. They are now hungry. You were like six years old. You were very small. Because I want to be here now. Now I'm going to the kitchen. Oh, and by the way, the other boys are also hungry. So now I must feed other people's children. I'm like, why didn't you feed your children before you came to my house? And I am not that mother. I declared I profess it, I confess it, I am not the kitchen nurturing mama. I'm not. Like you want bread, dasi strippy, dasi boterki, papa, mok That is the kind of mother I am. And I know that they mean need to forgive me constantly because of that. Okay? So now I'm in the kitchen and I'm annoyed. And my little two-year-old Ruben, he was still two at that age, and he says to me, <laughs> he says to me, Ek wil kabroeki. And like, I said, you didn't even finish your food. Now you want to bring. I could sort of that. And he just looked at me. He's like, why are you so rude to me? And I realized in that moment how easy that lie can now come into that little heart that I don't care for him. And I went on my haunches and I said, I am so sorry. I'm sorry. It's my issue now. It's my issue. I want to be there. I don't want to miss out. I've got a FOMO. And I am here now. And now because of my issue, I'm projecting it on you. And you can for the rest of your life believe a lie because of this moment if I'm not going to say I'm sorry right now. And it was like this, okay. And he went on. He was like, okay. I'm sorry. It's just like that. Forgive me. They get it from one years old. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was wrong. <laughs> okay. So let me just quickly get back. <laughs> I told you about my parents. I told you about my lineage. My lineage is so rich that Reinhard Bonke lived in my grandparents' house for a year when he came to South Africa. He had his, his one eldest child was nine months old. My parents, my mom was six children, I told you. They had three-bedroom house. The Bonke family lived in my parents' house in one room. Six people distributed over the house. Okay, so it's, it's depth. It's amazing. And even so, my parents went into ministry when I was 14 years old. <coughs> and um, we moved from Joburg to live on a farm in Wittbank where they um, started a mission school to train up missionaries to go out into the world. And they still have missionaries a- a- around the globe today. And I mean, it's how many years later? 30, 20, 30 years later. And people are still getting saved because of the work that they've done. Can we give them a hand for that? And only when they were in their late 40s, probably, mid-40s, did they get introduced to the fact that we have issues. 
Because we think, and there is a whole, it's, I will see a plaag van mensen, that think that once you get saved, everything is done. Your spirit is saved. Once you are saved, your spirit is saved, and you are immediately in heaven. If Jesus comes now, your spirit is there. That is what's happening. But there is a process of sanctification that needs to take place. Do you want to tell me that if a woman was a prostitute for 10 years of her life, and she gets saved, all of that bad, all of that evil, all of that emotional trauma is just gone like that? Imagine how incredible the world would have been if that was the case. It is not the case. There is there's something that we must do. God has now done his part. He's, he saved you. But now we have to work through the emotions and the pain and the lies and get to the point where we are, okay, I see what you did there. I am free. I can literally look at my offender and say, I forgive you for what you've done. I am free. Because then you know you are free. So only then did my parents get introduced to inner healing. And I saw my parents change in front of my eyes. I was the only sibling left in the house. All the others were out. I saw them change in front of my eyes. Like literally. They've been saved forever. I saw them, their actions, how they lived, how they reacted. Because every one of your reactions are linked to a rooted wound. Your husband looks at you funnily, but you're actually mad at your dad who did something when you were three. And every time your husband looks at that, in that way to you, you see your father. Now you yell at your husband, he didn't even do anything wrong. And that is why so many marriages are broken today. Because you're not only married to your husband, you're married to your, your mother-in-law and your father-in-law and all their generational stuff that came with it. And you're trying to find each other between all of these voices and all of these wounds, we're trying to find one another. So I saw my parents change in front of me. I was 15 years old. And I said, whatever you have, I want that. Whatever that, what happened to you. And I was 15 when I went for my first inner healing. And that's where I found out about the spirit of rejection when they asked, how did your mom respond when she found out she was pregnant with you? And I later realized that maybe I wanted to go for inner healing to please my parents once again. It, it, must have, it could have been birthed out of a wrong place because I just wanted to please them, remember? But in that moment, God said to me, no matter what they said or did, I wanted you here. You were supposed to be here right now. And I knew who I was. And I forgave them. Because it's also not something that, you, that they literally have to do consciously. Guys, so many things that we do and say and have heard over us and what we say over our children is sometimes so many to any forbaigan. But and that lie comes in. I can literally see that on their faces. I have a, a, a story. The reason I'm telling you this is because I knew going into marriage, I knew about these things, and Heinz knew about these things. And as much as we could going into marriage, we tried to be sorted out, to be that one whole person and another whole person going into marriage being one whole person, as much as we could. Forgiving each call, everything, everything that we knew about, we, we, we covered. And having children, 
I know these things. I know that I need to repent and say I'm sorry if I messed up. I know that. But there was a stage. I actually read a book by Lisa Bevere at one stage of my life. And um, they were in that season of three boys, six, four, and two. And every evening, like watermelon sugar, hi, this is what we do in our house. Okay, so this evening, Leon asked me, can I lie with him first? Because what I would do is I would start with the youngest, I would lie with him until he sleeps, go to the next one, go to the next one, and that's how the routine would go. And he says to me, can I please lie with him first? And I said, um, no, I lie with your brother first. And I could almost see the countenance on his face changed. And I remember, I just read in Lisa Bevere's book that she, she was writing this book that I was reading. And while she was writing it, she fell asleep on her keyboard and she woke up with the words in her head saying, I do not love you all the same. And she's like, that's blasphemous. And she said, no, I do not love you all the same. I love you all uniquely. Because if I loved you all the same, I could take one out and replace him and just continue loving that one. If I love you, if you realize that God loves us all uniquely, you realize that you are irreplaceable. You are, this is right? So, that night when I saw Leon's face, I said to him, just wait a second. I just want to explain to you quickly that I do not love Reuben more than I love you, and that's why I lie with him first. I love you all uniquely. I explained the whole thing. And in a split second, he said to me, but why is he the only one in a frame on the wall that says love on the frame? He's six years old. I tried to raise my children with the knowledge how easy that lie can come in. It felt like somebody stabbed me in my heart. I said, because he's the only one who had a red shirt on and the frame was red. But the enemy already came in. Oh, she lies with him first. He's the only one on the wall with the word love, so she loves him obviously more. Don't even know why I'm here. It's a loving family environment. How much more so if there were brokenness, if they were yelling and screaming, and you were a mistake, and we never should have had you, and we never wanted you. Do you understand what you carry with you, the weight, the baggage, the hurt that you go into every single day of your life? Until God says, well, what about today? How about today you say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to just forgive my dad for not being perfect because there is no thing like a perfect dad on this earth. There is not such a thing. And you, Father, will also not be the perfect dad because you are human. But there is a heavenly Father who's like, I got you covered. Left, right, and center. No matter where you are, I've got you covered. I've got you. I will be the dad that you need. I will, I will, I will fill every void. I will be your provider. I will give you identity. I will be your protector. Those three things, if your dad didn't do that, you're lacking it because that is what your dad is supposed to do. Your mom is supposed to be your nurturer, your teacher, teacher, 
nurturer, teacher, comforter, the one who you want to run to when you're sick. That is your mom. Now you didn't have a dad. Now you have a mom who tried to, to play all the roles. She needs to protect. She has to lock all the doors at night. And she has to take on this role because it's just human that it needs to happen. But there's a, there's a need because all of us are born with a certain need to, oh guys, God's plan for family is a husband and a wife in a safe marriage with children, where the children know who they are, they know their boundaries, they know where they can go and where they can't go. That is God's plan. But that does not happen anymore. And that has not happened for a long time anymore. So we have broken children. And the moment you don't have that, the world wants to tell you any kind of family is, is okay, and accepted, where a, a child, whether male or female, needs a father and a mother because they've got different roles that they need to bring to the party. That's God's plan. I need to feel protected, provided for, and I need to get my identity from my father. But I also need to be nurtured from a mother. I need to be comforted and taught by a mother. That is the things I need from a mother. And if, if any of those are lacking, you have an individual who's lacking. And it's not your fault, and it's not the end. Because the Father, what did we sing? He's the source that never will run dry. He, I, he won't pour everything out now in Sumay, now there's ne- nothing left for Leon. It's not like that. It's like the woman with the oil, it just kept on coming. It's the fish and the bread, it just keeps on coming. It's the wine and the water, it just keeps on coming. Because that's the God we serve. He'll never run dry. And he wants to meet you where you are at today. We sit with sexual issues and sexual sin in our lives because of what was done to us or what we saw accidentally when we were little. You go and visit somebody, they have a Playboy magazine lying around. You see it as a little boy. And to this day, you struggle with stuff because of that. So the key here today, brothers and sisters, is that you have to go back to where it happened the first time. Where did I feel rejected the first time? Where did I experience fear the first time? Where did I experience jealousy the first time? Why why am I struggling with jealousy? Why do I feel so, so less than every time I scroll through Instagram and I see everybody's lives and I see how glamorous it is and I feel, I compare myself and I just feel jealous and I don't, I don't pin them anything. What happened the first time? Was it the day you opened your, your lunchbox at school in grade one and your friend had more than you did? It can be as simple as that. And now, because in that moment you partnered with jealousy, you're struggling with jealousy every day of your life. The Holy Spirit is faithful. I know you are all reminded of things in your lives. I don't know. I don't want to know. He knows. He knows where you're at. And all it takes is, I'm sorry, I repent. I repent for opening my ears to voices that is not yours. It's actually what it comes down to. 
Because any other voice that is not his voice is not on. So we have to repent as a church today for opening our ears to any other voice, any other spirit, any other thing that tried to come in that is not from God. And we have to realize, guys, we can have two siblings from the same household and can have total different experiences growing up because both of them have different love languages. We didn't even know about love languages when we grew up. Doesn't mean it didn't exist. It was there. All of us have a certain need to be loved in a certain way. So say, for example, I have two sons. I do have more than two. They come from a household where we bestow gifts on them. Okay? We, we don't, but imagine that. We bestow gifts on them and we tell them how amazing they are all the time. Leon's love language is, for example, it isn't, but say, for example, gifts and words of affirmation. Simeon's really, his is physical touch. And say, for example, his other one is acts of service. They come from the same loving family with loving parents who think we do a great job bestowing gifts on them and telling them how amazing they are. But I've got one child who feels empty and not loved because I'm not speaking his language. I'm not kissing him. I'm not touching him. I'm not rubbing his back. So we come, they grow up, and they speak about their household. And Leon is like, yeah, we had such a great household and life, family life. And Simi is like, click, click. We as parents need to be so attained. I've got four children with four different love languages. This is nogals uitdagend. It would have been easy if it was all gifts and we can just cover them all with one. No, it's not. And you might feel today that your need was not met because that is the problem. We all have needs growing up and if it wasn't met, the lie comes in. Basic needs. Basic needs, like yesterday, Alana was in her room, her room was an absolute mess, and she was sitting, holding the dog, and she was calling me. I was literally downstairs in the studio where Heinz is, busy rehearsing for the worship, and I just heard, Mama! And I was like, I wanted to ignore it once, twice, or three times, and then I know, there might be a real desperate situation where she needs me right now, and a lie can come in if I'm not there. So I got there and she was like, the dog is trying to eat my doll's hair. In her little world, that is a crisis right now. It is. And I'm like, kom ons kry die hond die uit. Kom ons solve net gau. Because so easy, so easy that lie can come in. How many women struggle with weight? Because as a four-year-old, you were picked up and yes, my sissy, you rock now a bikkie swaar. Eindelijk rock opa bikkie swak. Now you put that on Dr. Kirok a bit swar. And she's like, is swar a bad thing or a good thing? I'm not sure. But the tone of his voice sounded negative. So swar is not good. And then some, some, somewhere along the way, there's a connection with swar and fat. And then... And you can say what you want when they're 30 years old the lie came in. So church family, I just want to, I want to encourage you. We have to be aware of this. 
We have to be aware what we say of our children. We have to be aware that if we were created in the image of God, and God created the whole world by speaking things into being, then we create by speaking things into being. So if you keep on saying to your child they are bad or a disappointment or disobedient, that is who they are, that is what they will become. Be alert to what you're saying to your children. We say what you've done is bad and disobedient. It's not who you are. We will take it out of you so that you can become who you are, a godly, obedient son of God. Watch what we say. Speak life over our children. And I know many of you sit here with stuff that was spoken over you. You have to forgive those people. Forgiveness is key. Forgiveness is, goes hand, with everything that you have realized today, there's somebody connected to it. There's a person connected to it. There is a person, at least one, connected to it. I want to quickly share a testimony with you before we end. Quickly. Testimony. Many a time, we don't even know that we believe a lie. Most of the time, actually. We don't even know. So, for me in my life, the moment I realized something is, is um, sit, not sitting right in my spirit, or I get irritated or mad or whatever the case may be, I'm like, okay, Lord, what is the root of this thing? Why am I experiencing this? And then I would deal with it as it comes along. Sometimes I would stretch it out and let it linger. Other times there would be immediate response where this is not from you. Where did this come from? Where did this lie come in? Okay, let's just deal with it. Two years ago, Heinz was in Israel. And the Sunday service, Alvain Ace was here. We were still in the, in the back hall. And we were a bunch of, we were about four people singing on the stage that day. And um, I, I grew up in a musical family, really musical. But ever since I was young, whenever I was put on the spot to sing, I couldn't sing. I would, like, my, my voice would just go away. It would it'd feel like somebody would choke me. I can sing in a duet. I can sing harmony. I can be backing vocal. If I'm part of a group, I'm in my happy place. It's amazing. It's not dark. It's not after. I just want to... But put me alone. This, two years ago, would have killed me. Killed me. I would have heart palpitations and sweats and, like... I wouldn't have been able to do it, okay? That being said, that Sunday, Alvain speaks over Esmeri, and he says to her, and Esmeri sings beautifully. He says to her, today I release over you a voice, and not just your singing voice, also your speaking voice. And when we walked out of the church, I joked with her, and I'm like, plus, release my voice. Your voice is all clear, my machtag, man. Like, I need some releasing to happen. And we left it there. I mean, it was a joke. I have prayed. I have like, Lord, please, I know, I know there's more to it. I know I can hear it and I can hear what has to come out, but it just doesn't come out. Anyway, soon after, we have a course at my house and we have students and God does tremendous work in these students' lives. He heals them. People get free. Stuff comes out every day. I mean, it's an image consulting course, but God deals with the inner stuff. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable. And there's a lot happening that week. 
just on every sphere is a lot happening, but every time they speak about a certain topic, oh, what actually happened was, one evening, we, I got into bed, and I said to Heinz, I just, I just testify of what God is doing. And I said, this is so amazing. But I want to, I want to, ask, to I want to ask God why, why is all this happening? Because it's now amazing that, that it happens, or happened, but I want to understand why is this all happening at this current moment. And just as I am about to switch off the light to go to bed, I see a face of a family member in my mind. Like great step-grandfather vibes. Haven't seen him since I was three, four years old. He's long called do it. I see it. Left it there. Left it there. The next morning, we're in, the Holy Spirit comes. He deals with a lot of people. Stuff comes out. And suddenly, I'm thinking of this person again. And, I'm, and I'm, my heart starts pounding. And I'm like, why am I thinking of this person? I have no recollection of anything happening with this person. I don't know what's happening with me. I go out of the room at one stage. And I come in, and I'm like, white. And I take Ethan in the office, and I say, we have to... We have to pray now because something's up. I don't know why I'm seeing this person's face, but there's something there. Something happened. I don't know what it is. And we pray. I said, I forgive him. I don't know for what, but you know, Holy Spirit, what he did. So I just release him in your hands. I forgive him. And, and SS, see, she says, what is the lie that you believe? And in a split second, I say that I do not have a voice. And she says, let's ask the Holy Spirit, what is the truth? And when I asked the truth, he showed me I've got a megaphone. It's like, I gave you a voice. That Sunday in church, when I sang, Heinz went like this. Because normally he has to put me up, because I'm so soft. And this Sunday I was hoing, because there was a lie that I believed that I didn't know. To this day, I don't know what happened. She, it could have been that he tickled me and I felt like nobody's saving me or I could have sung in his house and he could have shut me up. It could have been that. I don't know what happened. But the Holy Spirit is so faithful that he will remind you and your job here is to say, I don't know what it is, Lord, but I forgive that person. I set him free. I release him. And then what is so, so, so necessary to do is to ask him, what is the lie that I believe because of that? Why? Why did I believe that? And then he will show you. And then you say, I renounce that lie. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I want to step into agreement with the truth. Lord, show me what is the truth. And then he will show you. He's faithful. He'll show you what is the truth. And then you step and you, I agree with this truth. I have a megaphone. I have a voice. I can sing. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.